welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Um, so we've done loads of specials recently. We've picked all manner of favourite 11 this and best 11 that. We've had a few guests as well, of course, young Carlos last week. This week it's kind of, it's just a bit of a catch-up this. Um, although saying that, Dom, obviously in a bit, you're going to be catching up with Barry Bannon as well. But let's start off with obviously the big news of the week being that um, Sheffield Wednesday now officially back in training, although this is not kind of what we would normally class as football training. Yeah, not as we know it. So the, the multiple groups of where they're split up into four players each group and they're coming in at staggered times and they're only training for as long as 75 minutes and they're, they're doing a heck of a lot of fitness work this week. It's, it's essentially been like a mini pre-season. That's uh, basically, I think, how Wednesday's coaching staff have treated it. So uh, I'm sure most Wednesday fans will have seen the, the videos and the pictures that the club have uploaded onto their social media platforms this week. So you've got a good idea of... There's been a lot of um, running drills and uh, Tony Strudwick, the club's head of uh, sports science and medicine, uh, coming to the fore there. So uh, I, I thought it was quite interesting, actually, that one of the groups was um, strikers of where. So you've got Atty New, Connor Wickham, Fernando Forestieri, and I think it was Connor Grant as well, I think was the fourth one from what I could make out. But certainly of, of the, the first three, you've got to think that uh, it's going to be a bit of a shootout be- between them as to who partners Stephen Fletcher up front when football returns and when the championship is back. Uh, I suppose you could throw in Josh Windass as another option, but I really see it as probably more Connor Wickham and Fernando Forestieri, I would have said. Okay. Uh, there's plenty of time for injuries before then, Dom. Come on. Hey, we've got. There's no injuries at the minute. They're all. Hey, we've got Matt Massimo Long goes back. I gotta say, yeah, they've had long enough to get get ready. Well, that, and that's the that's the downside, isn't it? You see, because we've got Wednesday. Great, we can't complain about injuries and moan about that. But then um, everybody's in the same boat, aren't they? There's there should be no injuries now. It's a bit of a level of this, isn't it? Because it is like, I mean, even at the beginning of the season, you've normally got like there'll be one or two players that pick up a knock in, in a pre-season game or something, won't you? So you've probably got the the most kind of fit squads there. Um, but I mean, as far as I'm aware, there's no plans for any like friendly games or anything before the season restarts, you know, as and when, if that does happen. I mean, we'll get on to kind of talking about the complexities of that situation in... Um, in a bit, so I mean, you would you would imagine that this is going to be the best chance that we'll ever have of having you know pretty much every team in the league with a, a fit squad, which is you know interesting. And yet at the same time, of course, no team in the league will have a fit squad because you know ev- every player will be a bit under par because of the fact that you know training is so limited. Um, you know, we're going to get on to talking a little bit about the the German football that we have you know seen so far, and obviously over there, um, five is it five substitutions that you're allowed, um, yeah. although only three actual substitution events, if that makes sense. So you know, you can do like a three and a one and a one, or a two and a two and a one, or whatever it might be. Um, so um, you know, evidence being that you know it, it is difficult for players kind of coming back and having to get back up to speed so so quickly um 
and just a very quick side note here that obviously you know I've seen a lot on Wednesday's social media this week about the players being back in training what a godsend it must be for them and what you know absolute credit here to Wednesday's social media team who have um, managed to consistently get content out over the course of the last three months up against you know extreme odds when there's really not been anything going on um, and it's been brilliant to see um, how they've managed to kind of keep those feeds going and um, you know all manner of kind of old retro games that they've been uploading and stuff like that which has been fantastic so um, worth giving them mention now here's the thing so Lee Bullen himself on social media on Monday when the players went back into training, um, talking about that, saying it was great to be back and all that kind of stuff, but said that the aim is still for the playoffs. Now, this caused a bit of controversy with some fans. Um, I think some fans very much appreciating the ambition here of, of Lee Bullen. Some fans saying that it's a bit delusional and that you know we were heading more towards a relegation scrap than anything. Where do you stand on, on this? What's your thoughts on Bullen saying so publicly that the, the aim is still for the playoffs well having known Lee, Lee for a number of years uh, and so I've got a good idea on his mentality mindset the way he views the game having spoken to him interviewed him um, so many times in in the uh, yeah while I've been covering Wednesday uh, it's typical of Lee in that he is the man who He'd rather be, you know, he always were trying to be positive and looking up rather than down. Uh, and, and, that, and, I, and I get that, especially right now when, let's not forget, when the season was ground to a halt, Wednesday were in complete free fall, as we know. Nine defeats from 14 matches since Christmas, from 3rd to 15th. So Wednesday, right now, I think. It's, it's the right approach to be trying to talk things up and to try and bring a feel-good factor back ahead of football returning. Uh, do I think that the playoffs is a possibility? Absolutely no, zero. I know it's only eight points, but the reality is that uh, there is, of course, the EFL charge that is still hanging over the club. Uh, and so th- they can maybe internally look at it and go, right, let- let's try and focus on cutting the gap, going on a run, try and string a few results together, and then we'll see where it takes us. But the, the bottom line is, and the club will know this it's themselves, that the priority has to be just get as many points on the board as possible for if the worst case scenario is they get hit with a nine points deduction or more, they're going to need every single point that they can get. And when you look at the remaining fixtures and it would seem that they're going to be played in exactly the same order as what they would have been before the season was suspended, Look at how tough it is. You know, you've got a lot of teams who are up there fighting for promotion. Coming to Hillsborough, where, where again, another thing to point out how bad Wednesday have been at Hillsborough since Christmas. Was it one win? Charlton not scored many goals. I've, I've had a few Tonkings at home. So you've got Forest, West Brom, Preston all teams who are going to be scrapping for promotion to come should football return in June is it's going to be very very hard 
so yeah to answer your question in a nutshell i get where lee's coming from i think it's being very optimistic and i think if we're realistic it's about getting as many points as possible to, to make sure that Wednesday stay in this division, if worst case scenario, they get hit with a point deduction. Yeah. I, I kind of, my thoughts on it is that I sort of admire it as, as you know, why, why not sort of think that we've had this break, we can draw a line under some things and say, well, that that's the aim that we've got. I just, the only thing that I probably question well, two things that I question. One is whether or not social media is the right place for that. I think during an interview where you can frame it in the way that I think Lee Bullen kind of went on to explain to a few fans what he what he meant, um, whether or not you know social media, it's so easy for people to pick up and have, just have a whinge about things. Um, and the other thing is whether, I just don't know whether or not that will resonate with the players because you know players aren't daft and whether or not they'll think, oh, we're miles away from um, a playoff push. But um, I, I, I sort of ad, ad, admire it in... Um, in a way a few other points, yeah, I mean, yeah well a few other things i would say about it james is that i think you've got to remember that the interview that lee's given there to the star with alex miller that that probably would have been from a few weeks ago as well but he, but he would have been asked the question and uh so obviously it's still relevant now because we've not played any matches and so that's yeah lee's opinion i'm sure won't have changed from when he gave the interview to now uh so i would say that and then also you're right with social media in that it's so easy for people to pick apart from that story that is that quote that's what people are looking at. That's like the headline. But actually, you then do sometimes forget the context of it and actually yeah. if you then read through it properly. So you're right. I think it's the way that some people interpret it. But everything now, especially with the social media that you've got, it, it, it gets scrutinised to the nth degree. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, you do only pick up... I mean, I, I'd actually, I'd, I'd, in the time between reading it and now, I'd forgotten the fact that it was, you know, obviously framed as part of a wider interview, um, which I think is how social media works, isn't it? Is that you just you just work in bite-sized chunks. You just see a bit and, and kind of take that and, and sort of forget all the all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, in, interesting now how things are going to play out then in terms of when the fixtures will, will actually be. You know, we are due to be pay, playing... Forest next, a game that we did actually preview in a podcast many, many, many moons um, ago. Um, so, um, you know, that, that in theory should be the next game for, for Wednesday. What oh, we do know is that... I was going to say, James, the, does that mean we're going to have to, we're going to have to preview it again if it comes back, aren't we? Can't we just play the same one from three, four months ago, however long it was? Well, we'll just, rep- I mean, I'm not sure it would be <laughs> positive because it did come off the back of a 5 0 defeat at Brentford as yeah. well. So, um, it would be interesting to have a listen back to that, actually. I think at the time we were talking about um, whether or not, if it ends up being played behind closed doors, could that be a positive for yeah. Wednesday because uh, the crowd have been getting on the back so much and how little we knew at the time about what would eventually happen. Um, what we do know is that the Premier League are working towards the 17th of June for their kind of return. 
And normally what we kind of expect with this is that once the Premier League make a decision, the championship kind of follows suit. So it would seem, I would guess now, more likely than not that the championship season will get played to a a finish. Um, Not sure about kind of League One and and League Two, but I guess that's not really an issue for this this podcast anyway. But, um, you know, that that's kind of my sort of expectation on this. Would you would you share that? I think so. There seems to me a determination from the EFL that no matter what, that they're going to finish this season. And they've said that that deadline is July the 31st. That's the cut-off point. Uh, and you're right that the EFL have been working very closely with the Premier League uh, and all the uh, you know, authorities at the top. So Premier League restart is very much on course for the 17th. Uh, and in fact, I think they did another round of testing, didn't they? Uh, the results and there was there was zero in the Premier League. So again, it, it looks very much on the cards right now that the Premier League, that's going to happen and that's going to go ahead on the 17th. Uh, you would think that the Championship, I, I've heard actually it, it's been sort of mentioned the 20th. I think that that might be unrealistic uh, when you think that the Championship was a bit behind the Premier League in the teams coming back to training. So I think it might be actually the 24th that we may see the return of uh, you know football in the Championship. And, and then, I mean, it would have to be um, Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek, right through July, wouldn't it? Because nine games to finish in the space of effectively, what, five and a bit weeks there? Well, yeah, and on top of that, let's not forget something that we've discussed before and it still hasn't been resolved at all. There's still not been an update. What happens with out-of-contract players? And so their their deals are coming to an end on June the 30th and the season is going to go past June the 30th. Um, it, you know, should it resume? So uh, you would think that uh, I'm sure that they come to some sort of arrangement where contracts will get extended by a month to maybe July. But it's a real tricky one that, you know, will all our contract players agree to that? You know, on Wednesday, and that's what we're focusing on here, you've got uh, more than double figures of players who are out of contracts. Yeah, you know, the ones that are, uh, uh, who are likely to feature, I think there's nine. Uh, and so what's going to happen with Morgan Fox... You know, we know Jerry Perry Pessy's already put his hand up and said, here, play, whatever is discussed. But, uh, but you've got Morgan Fox, Stephen Fletcher, Fernando Forestieri, Atini, the list goes on. And and so if you're them and you're thinking, well, you don't know if you're going to be at the football club next season, would you want to play in the last nine matches and risk suffering a really serious injury? Now, I was talking to an agent only this week and, and uh, that's what he was saying to me is that he, they're looking at the future and thinking about the bigger picture. But if in the last nine matches they say, oh, yeah, right, OK, we're signing another month, knowing full well we're not going to be staying at Sheffield Wednesday or whoever, and then you get a serious injury, then and that keeps you out for 12 months to 18 months, what, what a sticky situation to be in. Uh, so it, it's, I mean, for me, I mean, I can't believe that nothing has been said still about that and that we are, we're still with only a few weeks to go until potentially restart we don't know what's happening without contract players that i mean it's, honestly i think it's ridiculous 
It's it's a real mess, isn't it? It's a real mess because you know we we have touched on this before, but the situation is the same in terms of the fact that you've got players, and I'm talking specifically about Sheffield Wednesday here. You've got players that you know aren't playing and are out of contract. That Wednesday are probably not going to want to extend the contract by a month because. They're not going to play anyway, so it's just literally money thrown away. Those players probably want to get on with their future plans. Maybe some of those aren't going to want their contract renewed. But you also kind of think that the only way this can realistically work is if it's just a blanket sort of governance from the EFL who just say every contract is extended by a month, like it or lump it. Because if you've got to do everyone individually, how do, there's just not enough time. Like It's just got to be across the board. And that, you know, even from a legal situation, that seems iffy. I'm no, no expert at all on it. But, you know, I would kind of think if there's two parties in a contract and neither of them want to extend it and a third party that's not involved in that contract says you've got to extend it, I'm not really sure how that can work. Well, it can't work. You know, if, if both parties say, no, we don't want to extend it, then it has to it has to end. It has to finish. There's no way of extending that. So that, I mean, that is going to be interesting. And, you know, that does need resolving. And actually, you know, this is not just a, a an EFL thing. You know, this is the same in the Premier League as well, isn't it? You know, that is a universal date across the board where contracts end and, you know, pre-contracts that will already have been signed will start from the 1st of um, July, won't they? So that is really awkward you know yeah. we we don't necessarily know i mean this probably not an issue with with any wednesday players but might be um but there will be players elsewhere who it's not common knowledge that they'll have signed a pre-contract agreement somewhere else and that uh, you know legally is just a right old a right old mess oh no it is and, and coming back to your point before about is the physical condition of the players speaking to a number of people I, again it, it's a big thing when you when you consider that They've been training from home for nine to ten weeks. And, yeah, they've come back. Uh, but I, I'm sure that all the clubs will be looking at trying to, before the season kicks off again, they'll be looking at trying to arrange some behind-closed-doors matches that, or, or some sort of friendlies. They've got to have some sort of run-outs to these players. If they're actually going to have some sort of the sharpness uh, and to fine-tune on the fitness side what they've got to do, to then play that intense period of three weeks where they're going to play, they're going to be asked to play nine matches, then, yeah, they've got to be physically ready for it and mentally prepared for it. So, you, you, 100%, that's something that I think the clubs will be looking at. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Wednesday, get, again, are looking at friendlies or some behind-closed-doors matches, whatever they can do. Wednesday, unfortunately, they've got a big enough squad where they can do 11 v 11 easily enough. But then that's another point of a championship level. We're not even on to contact yet. We're still only on phase one. We've got to get to phase two. Uh, and we saw with the latest testing in the championship, what was it, I think, 10, K, 10 positive cases yesterday. So some players are going to have to self-isolate for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then if in the next round of testing, if that figure goes up by more than 10, at what point does it then become a bit of a minefield? This is where we're going to get into very tricky predicament. If if that happens, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what's happened in Germany in a bit. If that happens, you would think that the championship restarting starts to become a, a, a lot kind of muddier, 
ground like you start to think actually is it is it pos- is it realistic um and, and this happened you know in the run-up to german football restarting there was an issue with a club that had two or three players that were that tested positive so all it was that happened Dresden, is that, wasn't it james i think they had three players. yeah yeah yeah, um, so they've not played any games yet. Everyone else has just got on with it. But I was saying, well, there's no way that the season can restart this coming weekend. Now this has happened. It just it can't happen, and it did. You know, they pressed on with it. Um, let's let's talk about that then, because um, I have a vested interest in German football. I mentioned a few times about following a, a team in in Germany, so I have watched some of the games over there. And I don't know. Um, I think I get the impression there's quite a lot of football fans that have been watching it just because it's football, um, and it, it's the only offering that's out there at, at the moment. Um, what Watching a football match in a stadium with no fans is a, an almightily strange experience, isn't it? It doesn't get my juices flowing at all, James. I, I, I am not really excited or looking forward to the prospect of matches being played to empty stadiums. I am excited at football returning in England, but that that to me is not football. And, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, you'll play out in a bit. Uh, some of my chat with Barry Bannon earlier this week, where he, and he was saying the same thing, and I'm completely in agreement that it, uh, having covered and gone to so many friendlies in the summer, uh, where, like, you know, say non-league level, and you don't have big crowds. Well, in fact, I mean, and the best example of matches that I've been to where there haven't been huge crowds have actually been on pre-season uh, trips abroad. Again, where you, you know you're talking like 100, 200, and there's not even going to be that. So imagine at Hillsborough, just an empty stadium. And we've talked about it before, and I and it could, in a weird way, benefit Wednesday playing behind closed doors and there not being fans there. Uh, frankly, they can't do any worse. They can't, can they? It's not. I don't think it's possible, like in terms of results, no, no. performances at home. So Wednesday, actually, their players might relish not having sort of the atmosphere that we saw towards the end. You know, you forget that it was only three months ago, James, where only 20,000 turned up for Man City in the Cup. And we know that that's to do with multiple reasons why that's the case. But that is because there's a level of negativity around the place right now. So Wednesday's players might actually yeah, benefit from playing behind closed doors. That Wednesday may be one of those clubs that they look at this and actually be thinking, yeah, great. But from you know, a fan's point of view, a journalist's point of view, I, I'm not really looking forward to that. It's going to be a strange experience and I think it's going to be a bit soulless. And, and so to me, yeah, uh, I, I can't say that it's something that I'm really excited about. I, th- I think there's a key word there, which is soulless. It really is soulless. You know, my experience of watching the games in Germany is that you, you don't realise just how important fans are until you, when you watch the game without, and it's it's not comparable to a pre-season game. It, it, the only thing you compare it to is a training match. You know, you, you can... It, it feels odd being able to hear what the players are shouting at each other. You can hear what the players are saying to the referee and to the linesman and stuff. And that's like, that's the sort of stuff that doesn't really happen in football. And, and, and it's a very, very strange experience. Um, you mentioned in there about um, what Barry Bannon had to say about about um, the experience of watching games in Germany and uh, various other things. So uh, let's hear his thoughts. Uh, so here is Barry Bannon. How's it been back in training in the last couple of days then? 
been good. Obviously, nine weeks, I think, since we last trained and stuff. So it's been a long time, really. The first couple of weeks were quite nice to get a break away from it. Mm. Obviously, spend time with my family and that. But then after a while, you miss that competitiveness of into training and you and your daily routine. Really, it all goes it it all goes out the window. So I've been glad to get back and and get grafting again and seeing mm. my teammates. What's the mood been like then? Uh, in the in the first two days back, and how sort of strange has it been? Um, it's not been too strange to be honest. Obviously, the the numbers are down, like so it's only groups of four. But mm. it's just like going back to pre-season. Really, it's, it's like the first day back for pre-season where everybody's happy to see each other again, and um, can't wait to get on the balls and start doing football stuff again. So it's been a little bit strange, but there's not been like full groups are mm. like can't get really close to anyone and stuff like that but we know the circumstances and we know the situation so until further notice that's what we'll have to adhere to Who's been in your group then of four who have you been training with? Been good runners in my group um, Kieran Lee Massimo and Cads <laughs> And how's the fit- How's your fitness been? How have you looked against them? The group's been we get the results into the group chat mm. after each day and we've obviously done a lot of running the last two days which which has been good but it just shows the professionalism of the boys really everybody's came back in a really good mm. state obviously we had our own programme to be stick to and it's good to see that the boys have been doing that because they've come back they all look fit and well and my group especially have done really mm. well and what some of the Measures like the protocols that you're having to do, you're having to wear masks, um, training, or, or how is it working? Um, just it's just a bit strange when you get to the training ground, really. Obviously, you're in your own car, so you can do what you want until you get up to the training ground. Um, we've got all the equipment, masks, gloves if we want to wear them, but it's just when you get to the training ground where it's pretty strict on the entrance where the doc you'll go in individually, the doc will come over, take your temperature. And on Monday we get a coronavirus test kit that you do in your own car before you enter the training ground. So just little things like that. But it don't take too long, it's five, mm. ten minutes before maximum really before you can get out of your car and go into the fields and start training. How much have you missed training and being out there and what have like the last eight, nine weeks been like for you? As I touched on earlier, I've enjoyed it. Obviously I've I've got a a 10 month year old well 11 month year old now she'll be one next month so obviously when she, she was born at a difficult time where it was pre-season for me and then straight into the season so obviously living in Birmingham mm-hmm. and travelling up every day the hours spent with my daughter were, and my missus were really minimum really so the first mm-hmm. five six weeks it was really really good obviously I was getting more to I was getting every, every day with my daughter tough right enough it was very very tough obviously you don't mm. realise until you become a full time dad how hard it is so that's off to mums out there it is a hard job but yeah it was good obviously I got precious time to spend with my little mm. growing up and um, but like I said I love I love, I love for football mm. and I've, I've missed it and it was, it's great to be back and a bit strange obviously watching the German games and stuff with no fans mm. I don't know how much I really like that because I think they play a big part in the game nowadays the fans it's it's been strange watching that and I don't know if I'd like to 
to do that. But mm. like I said, under the rules, and I think that's the way it's going to be for a while. Yeah, it's, it's looking like it's going to be the rest of the year, maybe even next year, behind closed doors. And again, yeah, how sort of weird will that be, playing behind yeah, closed doors? Not really, not really football, to be honest. The fans are a massive part of the game, and you can see that by watching the German games. And there's a lot of goals and stuff that probably, if the fans were there, wouldn't happen. It's as strange as it sounds. It becomes, from what I've seen, it's like a training game really when you play 11 v 11 at the training ground with no fans mm. it's there's a lot of goals in the games and I think with the German league you've seen that as well it's been some mad results like a lot of, a lot of goals getting scored and mm. fans play a big part it's at certain times of games as well when, when you're on the upper you've got the upper hand and the fans can pick you up and give you that little bit extra so it's been a bit weird watching it. it's been mm. good to have football back on the TV right enough but it has been strange watching it and it's not the same without them. There's a little bit of a split or some players have come out and said that they're concerned about the safety and or, or at least making sure that when football returns it's safe to do so. And as someone who has, has got a, an 11 month old as well, again, how much are you sort of thinking about that, the next step of going back to the contact side of it and the prospects of footy returning next month yeah well like I said I'm taking it really serious I've got an 11 month year old um, but from speaking to the doc in the last few days been in and around and how we're getting treated and stuff I think it's it's safe to stay in your own house really it's the if you follow the right protocols then mm. I can't see how you can we're dangering ourselves at the minute obviously things will change when it goes to um, contact and stuff but at the minute it's been it's been brilliant and it's no different to when we probably had to go out to the mm. supermarket or something and then going to the supermarket we're putting ourselves at risk but I think that's probably more riskier than it has been the last few days at the training room Do you think in a weird way that this extended break that you've, you've had Barry as a team that actually might benefit you as well when you go back if you get to completing the nine games because of the run that you were on um, you'd like to think so um, obviously we've had time to reflect and obviously time to rest and recuperate and, and come back stronger for it um, mm. we've probably had a few niggling injuries around the time as well so all of them will be back so probably yeah it probably takes the shine off it takes the pressure off what we were under at that time because results weren't going to plan and stuff so Mm. Like I said, we come back and it's kind of a fresh start again. So I would probably say so, yeah. And also, that's it, isn't it? That you've got no, nobody injured now. Everyone's fit, so it's helped from that point of view. Yeah, there's. I think every team's in the same boat there. Like as I know, there've been probably players that have been injured and mm. big players for their club that will be back coming back now. So it's the same for everyone. But like mm. I said, yeah, that. It's been good for the injured players that have probably thought they were going to miss the rest of the season. That mm. we've got another whatever it is, nine games to go, or six games, or whatever it is left to go. And should you finish the season, how important is it after the difficult couple of months you had before the break to finish sort of on a positive note and to finish strongly? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, we there's still a league, there's still places to play for there. Mm. So, like I said, we. We want to come back strong and finish the season off like 
really well take confidence into that because I think it will be or what I'm hearing it will be a quick turnaround going into next season so you, you want to be full of confidence rather than finishing sluggish and, and taking it into the start of next season Right, loads of interesting stuff in there from um, Barry Bannon. Interesting that you know, as, as you mentioned, that line about how you know it's it's just not football when you know talking about um, football without um, fans there. Um, right, I mean we 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 both know we all know that Barry Bannon is is not the sort to kind of come out with fighting talk. But he was suggesting there that you know he does feel that there is a real point for Wednesday to prove when they uh, are back out there, and you know it was coming off the back of that five nil. Um, defeat at Brentford and, and it's not just about the fact that they lost 5-0 at Brentford it was the whole nature of everything about that performance on that day which we tore to shreds in the episode that we recorded um, afterwards um, you know looking back at that and you think you, you kind of forget just how big a point that it is that they've got to now go out and prove oh 100% uh, and it's not just the players it's the manager Gary Monk he's got a lot to prove and I I, I almost look at it from Gary Monk's perspective and think that uh, it's not make or break, you know. That's maybe a bit sensationalist, or whatever, uh, and, and over the top. But I, I think that in the last nine matches, that they are big for him in that he's got to put a marker down as to the style of play, um, getting more of a tune out of these players who've been underperforming for too long this year, and especially this calendar year, uh, and sort of laying some foundations down for the future. So it's a big period for him. Players out of contract, as we mentioned before, if if they decide or, or you know, whatever the arrangement is, if they're in action in the last nine matches, some of them fighting for the careers at Wednesday, or if not, put themselves in the shop window. Players who are still there, you know, I, I've said before about I think there's going to be um, a big decision perhaps to be made in the summer or in the future about captaincy uh, over will Tom Lees under Gary Monk, if he's manager for next season, is Tom Lees going to still have the armband? I'm not so sure he will, considering that Tom Lees has been in and out of this team and isn't an automatic pick. So you're looking at that and thinking, again, they're the time, you know, there's so many players in the team who have got to put the hand up and basically go, Gary Monk, you've got to take me on your journey here. You've got to take me. I, I deserve to be part of your plans. Um, and I mean, we've, we've seen actually this week, you know, like, look at Moses Odebajo was one who we've talked about before of where he could have been on his way out in January. You, and Gary Monk said to him, "Go, you can go find a club to go on loan You can go, if you want. That's entirely up to you because I don't think you're going to be playing much here. And that was at the time when the Zazu Rigidi sort of burst onto the scene. But then now look at how fortunes and things have changed that actually Moses Odebajo will be in contention pushing for a place in the team when Wednesday return. So he's turned things around and, and that's how things can quickly change. So the last nine matches, oh, pivotal, massively important. Yeah, there's so much to play for. There's a lot at stake, definitely. 
I mean, it, it does feel like an age ago now, but we had, you know, episode after episode after episode where we, you know, the words kept coming up, things like, you know, character, um, you know, things like, um, you know, backbone, spirit, you know, words that we, you know, we, we really doubted kind of real core elements of this team. Um, and this whole, you know, this wasn't meant to happen. We weren't supposed to have a three-month break from football. It wasn't part of the plan. But if there's anything that gives you that excuse to just say, right, you draw a line under it, under it all. You know, they're coming back. There's not going to be that pressure of the fans there getting on the back from the first minute or anything like that. That's not going to be an excuse. This really is now where we do start to see the character of of this team and whether or not, you know, they can now, after having that chance to to just, you know, um, step away from it all, kind of rebuild things a bit and then come back to it. Um, Gary Monk, so, I mean, he's seems to have been quite, you know, fairly quiet through this whole thing. You you did speak to him, didn't you, a couple of weeks back. He's he's not kind of, you know, an emotional manager in in the way that, you know, other managers have, you know, kind of Gary Monk when he's happy, Gary Monk when he's upset, kind of sounds the 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 same. It doesn't seem to kind of, you know, he he's fairly consistent in that sense. What what did you kind of get from Gary Monk when you chatted to him? Do you you know, kind of feel that he's you know, kind of, you know, making his plans and up for this fight or? Yeah, definitely. I think there was certainly a case from him of where um, he's been using the time to look back at a lot of footage, things that they can prove, and there's a lot, uh, and they need to be worked on, addressed. Uh, I, I think that the, there's been one eye on recruitment, but uh, even with that, as is something else that we we have discussed of where it's the financial landscape in the EFL has changed dramatically uh, through coronavirus. Uh, the impact on it we don't fully know, and so this is I think part of the reason what's held up with the out of contract players. And it's very difficult to plan for Gary Monk when you're going into sort of the unknown, and when we don't know what division Sheffield Wednesday are going to be in next season, we don't know. Uh, it, it could be in the championship or it could be in League One if there's a point deduction that, that comes into play and Wednesday continue on the downward spiral when football comes back and don't get the results. So I, I, I think it's very hard actually to make really big long-term plans. But I, I think that they've certainly been looking at what they would be focusing on in training, how they'd build things up. Um, and I, I just hope what we see, James, when we get football back, I just hope they go back to basics. For me, that's what has to happen here. And, and I think they need to look at, under Gary Monk, the formation, as an example, the, the, the formation they've had most success in and what I think this team's probably most comfortable with, best suited to, is a straight 4-4-2, orthodox 4-4-2 formation. I think these players, that's what they prefer to play. And when you remember them smashing Middlesbrough away and Forest away uh, it, and other good performances in the first half of the season, it was it was that. And and it was having that de- defensive solidity, and that was that for me is what's been so alarming about the way things have unravelled in 2020 is that defensively they've got taken apart time and time and again. So for me, that's where the focus has to be on, uh, and I'd like to think that's what they've worked on. 
are going to be over the coming weeks. We um, just going back to one of your points earlier on about um, uh, kind of you know the financial stuff and planning for the future and all uh, and all that. Whether or not this is a, a sign of what the football landscape is going to be uh, uh, or not, I don't know. But a um, couple of people who. Um, uh, pointed this out to us on on Twitter this week. One of the players that we talked about that that you actually raised as a potential for Wednesday to to go after in the summer, Jeff Hendrick, uh, being linked with AC Milan. So if that's the kind of competition that we've got for the sort of players that we were um, you know hoping to try to uh, and and you know be in the in the game for, I think it's going to be a very interesting um, summer on on that score. That's um, absolutely so nailed about- on, James. Nailed on. That's a done deal. Now he's coming to Hillsborough next week. You watch. Sorted. Yeah, no one wants to go to Milan at the moment. No, no, no. Um, there's no flights for a start. I can't get there. <laughs> so um, you talked about formation there. So we we kind of heard in your chat with um, Barry Bannon, you know, this kind of thing about you know fully fit squad. So in theory, Gary Monk has got a full deck of cards to pick from for for, for first game back whenever it is. Let's assume nothing happens in the meantime to change that. Um, what what is going to be that you know team? Where where does Gary Monk go with this? This this idea of you know let's just concentrate on four four two to me feels like it's a bit of a back to basics kind of approach. Um, when you look at the team, when you've not got that kind of disruption of players being out of form and, and stuff like that, uh, which will be the case when when the season does, if and when the season does restart, that you would think well form isn't really a factor in this. You can sort of see how that team. I'm not necessarily going to say it picks itself, but you'd look at the midfield and you would say, well, Bannon and Luongo would be prime picks for those two midfield spots. You would look at probably Adam Reach and Kadeem Harris as being the picks for the for the wing. There's maybe a few question marks about the the choice of defenders, what you do there. So I guess we can chat a bit about that. Um, and then there's the question marks about you know who. To be fair, it's a question mark about who partners Stephen Fletcher, doesn't it, in a four-four-two? I think there's a few actually calls to make, and I think one thing we've got to rule out straight away is, is it, we've got to be realistic here, James. Right? Uh, whether you, you're um, a, a big fan of Kieran Westwood's or whatever, and you want Kieran Westwood to come back, that's not going to happen, is it? Under Gary Monk, let's face it. Let's no. be realistic no. about it. That he's made his bed in there, or he's decided that Cameron Dawson's the one. Uh, and and he, you see, even Cameron Dawson was someone who was coming under, I would say, big scrutiny uh, when season when the season ground to a halt, uh, and he made another mistake at Brentford. But I still think that Gary Monk's going to stick with him in goal. So there's your starting point. And then in defence, uh, I, I think it's it's going to be who partners Dominic Iorfa for me. That's what it would be about. And so it's then between Tom Lees and Julian Berner, isn't it? And I would I'd maybe go with Julian Berner, actually. I think that's what I would be looking at. But whether Gary Monk decides to go with that, of course, is going to sort of remains to be seen. Um, and Moses Odebasho might come into the conversation at right back. With Liam Palmer, Morgan Fox, you'd think it'd be a certainty at left back. Um, but I, the, yeah. the, I think defence is the one where, yeah, the, there's a few sort of selection poses there for Gary Monk, definitely. I think fullbacks, if everyone's fit, it's probably Palmer and Fox, I think, are the, are the first choice fullbacks in that 
squad. You're right in terms of this, and we've had it all season, haven't we, about, you know, there's, there's, there's three defenders there. There is one who generally stands as being sort of head and shoulders um, above the other two in, in Dominic Iorfa. So then, you know, how does that how does that work? You've got with Tom Lees that, you know, kind of more experienced head, although, you know, one of his dodgier seasons so far for Wednesday, you know, various mistakes out of all the defenders, probably the player that's made the most mistakes that have ultimately resulted in goals. And, um, you know, that's, that's a massive issue. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe it is Julian um, Berner. I, I've said a few times that he it's just a player that makes me a bit nervous. To be honest, I think this whole Wednesday team are players that make me a bit nervous because of the fact that we've seen every player individually has got that mistake in them. So yeah, let's 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 kind of see see that then. I, I don't think it makes. I don't think the team makes me nervous. You know what, James? If they play the, the team that uh, I'd go for, I, I actually look at it and I think certainly the midfield and up front, it's it's exciting. It should be. Like you said, it'd be attack minded, and that's sort of how I want them to go. I, I'd like. I think what we've got to get back is that sort of enjoyment. Yeah, right. We've got. You've got to get back to that point of where. Wednesday fans actually want to come and back and support the team and get behind them to, uh, to the point of where they've got something to believe in and to be optimistic about. And we've lost that. We've lost that for the last couple of months. And so that's what I think we want that sort of buzz again around the club. And so that's why I look at the midfield and I think you're right. Luongu Bannon in central midfield on the right. Probably the, one of the standout players of 2020 has been Jacob Murphy. Uh, so he'd be on the right. And then it's a toss-up between Adam Reach and Kadeem Harris on the left. Up front, Stephen Fletcher. And I think I'd go for a Forestieri just ahead of Wickham. Uh, but I look at that midfield for front two. There has to be goals in that, surely. right? There has to be more creativity, um, and, and more about the team than certainly what we were seeing uh, before the season got suspended. Yeah, um, I, I would differ slightly from you there. I think that I would play Reach on the right above Murphy, um, and how I would probably you, how, play Wickham and. and... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to cut you off there because how can you possibly make that decision when Adam Reach, right, on his season? And what he's done, and we know he's been hampered by injuries. You can't play Adam Reach for me ahead of Jacob Murphy. You can't. Like, Jacob Murphy has done way more and has contributed way more. Second top scorer, five goals and a few assists in there. And his overall performances and the way he's played, he's been bright and better. I know you're not his number one fan or you don't think he's been as good as what some people have been saying. But I, I'm basing it on contribution, what he's done, James. I'm sorry that you can't pick Adam Reach on the right, where, by the way, how many top performances has Adam Reach produced for Sheffield Wednesday on the right wing ahead of Jacob Murphy? No, not for me. It's got to be Murphy there. Okay, have you finished? Can I speak now? I might cut you off when you're in full fight, but go on, go on, try. We we've said several times that this will be a level playing field when when football returns. You know, every player will be fit. There is no such thing as being in good form or bad form because with you know, three months off, it will be longer the gap between the last game to the next game than a normal um, close season would be. You know, it's it, it, three three months would be the normal for a season. We know it's going to be more than that. So 
Um, the reason that I would pick Adam Reach above Jacob Murphy is forgetting form and anything like that. Adam Reach is a better player. That's why I would play Adam Reach. But he hasn't been this season. That would be my argument. But that doesn't. That doesn't but that doesn't matter, though, does it? It's not. It's not this season. It's. It's a new season, right? It's a very small mini season, but it is a new season. Yeah, that's a very good point. You're right. It is a fresh start, but you've got to base it also on past history to some extent. And I, you don't. You know, Wednesday. Let's go back to Wednesday. Got to go back to my point of if play it simple and can't overcomplicate things and Jacob Murphy has done well on the right hand side that's his natural position Adam Reach's natural position is not on the right hand side it would be on the left it would be in so or, or it would be left yeah left wing you could maybe make make an argument central midfield he's, he's done well there at times and he's also been played in number 10 but not for me on the right-hand side. That's not where you're going to get the best out of Adam Reach. So I'm going to have did, to agree. Did you, dis- did you notice those two those two wonder goals that Adam Reach scored from the right-hand side? You remember those, don't you? Season before last. Yeah, but that's my point. You're living in the past. Adam Reach hasn't produced that level of form for Sheffield Wednesday in a long time. He's one of those who I'm looking at now and thinking you're right in the sense that he should be like a new signing. Adam Reach, after three months now of where we've been in lockdown, yeah. he should come back in and I'd love to think he'd make the impact and be the player that he was last season and for yeah. 18 months where he was so influential for Sheffield Wednesday. And yeah, yeah. I'd also say, to your point as well, just to make it stronger for you, because you probably have not thought best, that again, if you're looking for the future, then Adam Reach is a Sheffield Wednesday owned player, whereas Jacob Murphy isn't. But Wednesday need results, and Jacob Murphy has been, I, I'm not going to say revelation would be too strong, but Jacob Murphy has improved progressively as the season's gone on. And so for me, it comes down to a straight fight between Kadeem Harris, who is another one who's got a lot to prove for me. And I, I, I would then... That, and, and let's remember, nine games in three-week period, the squad is going to be used. So whoever plays against Nottingham Forest might not then line up against Bristol City and West Brom. So the, will, the team will be rotated. Players will have opportunities. Let's- but I think... Adam Reach has to bide his time. He shouldn't just be walking straight back in the team when he scored two goals and made five assists this season and has been disappointed by his own oh, standards. Mate, the team, the team are coming off the back of losing five nil at Brentford, and you can't tell me that therefore a player who has been, you know, generally over the course of the last two or three seasons has been one of the better players in a, in a fairly awful um, episode in Sheffield Wednesday's history should not come waltzing back into the team, right? There's a, after losing five nil, you, you'd change every single player in that team if you could do. You know, th- there's absolutely no reason for anyone that played in that defeat at Brentford to be playing in the game against Forest if there are other options. Now, let's take your point about the fact that we're going to have a lot of games to play in a very short space of time, and let's agree to say that we're both right because they will both get a start in the first, what probably week of uh, when, as and when football returns. So we're both right, but I'm a bit more right than you are. So we'll agree. We'll just agree on on that and move on. James, you don't drop one of your better players when your team has 
uh, you know, their form has fallen off a cliff. Right? How, you that's you've got not a rewarding. But Adam Reach has not been a better player this season. He hasn't. You ask Adam Reach yourself. Right? He'd hold, right. He's hold his hands up and go, this season, I have underperformed. He has been one of those who has not reached the heights that he has done in previous years. And Jacob Murphy has done well over the last couple of months of the season. So Jacob Murphy starts. It, it, it's an absolute given all right it's not even a debate i can't believe you're arguing with okay. me about it Look, i've got two you questions know, to ask you I've got two questions poll. to ask you this in a poll who should start in that first game on the right hand side who should jacob murphy have to reach if i don't win this I, one I hands down. it's a debate it's not a debate right. All right. adam reach has to be he'd be on, he'd be on got... the bench or he'd be on the left it, it's, it's simple two Simple. Two questions. I'm, I'm testing your memory a little bit here, right? Can you remember what your score out of 10 was for Jacob Murphy in Wednesday's last game? It was probably four or five. He was still one of the better ones. He was one of the better ones, but it, it's still it, it's still fairly damning, isn't it? If four, four or five out of 10 is one of the better ones. Um, the other question would be, you said he's been one of the better performers in the last two months. Can you uh, name me the standout performances, please, that he has turned in over that two-month period? Which, which games did he tear defences to bits and you know earn Sheffield Wednesday victories or, or anything? It was good at Leeds. And he scored at Leeds. So that was good at Leeds. That was in January. It's now yeah. it's June. Yeah, I know, but we haven't been playing, have we, James, since mid March. So I'm only going I've only right. got a point of January I'll... to March to go off here. Come on. I, I will I'll give you that then. So you've got Leeds. Right. Give me some more. What well, the, what other games has Jacob Murphy been a standout performer? I, the, the week after Blackburn at home, he was he was one of the few where Wednesday got absolutely embarrassed, and then Jacob but, Murphy I think came on, and you're thinking and looking at it. Well, at least he was trying to take the fight to them. So uh, the, it's the, another the, game the, where the we lost five 0 Yeah, but I, sorry, football is a team sport. So, believe it or not, unless you've got Lionel Messi in your side, it's quite hard to win it hands down, isn't it? So, right, if Jacob Murphy is getting let down by central midfield defence here for Wednesday shipping in goals, you can't exactly blame Jacob Murphy for that. If Jacob Murphy is actually doing, right, okay. uh, yeah, being a good outlet on the right-hand side, which I think he has done for the most part, and the other match. So you think Jacob Murphy, as a player, works harder for the team than Adam Reach does? Well, that's a different debate altogether. I think Jacob Murphy actually had to be fair to him in terms of graft and getting up and down. I think Jacob Murphy has actually done pretty well. I'll tell you what, I've, again, I've just gone on to uh, remind myself of the fixtures. Birmingham away. Jacob Murphy was outstanding that day. Jacob Murphy was really good that day. It was an absolute handful. And I could probably think of another couple of matches. You, you can't argue with me, James, that he's been one of Wednesday's. He's been the pick of Wednesday's players, probably. Can you think of many other better players who performed better than Jacob <laughs> Murphy this year? Uh, Pro probably not, probably not, not, but it's it, still been relatively average performances. You know, he, he's been, you know, slightly better than, than the rest of a really terrible team through an awful period. So when you get the opportunity to bring back a player who, yeah, 
Adam Reese did not have the best of seasons up until the point that he was out of the team with injury. But we talked maybe six months before that about the fact that he was training in strapping all the time. Like that injury had dogged him for a long time before it eventually took him out of the team. Um, so, you know, this will be the first opportunity for probably more than a year for us to see Adam Reach. You know, hopefully he's not going to be 100% fit, but, you know, as close to fitness as we will have seen for a long, long time. Yeah, and I think he so. will offer more to the team and contribute more and work harder for the team than what Jacob Murphy would do. And that's not me saying that I I, I despise Jacob Murphy. That's not the case at all. I don't think that Jacob Murphy is a, is a terrible footballer in the slightest, but I still think that Adam Reach has more value for this team than Jacob Murphy would do. My counter as well that would make is that I think that from that team that played at Brentford that you keep harping on backs to uh, and where Wednesday lost 5-0, I believe that will be in the next team three or four changes anyway that Gary Monk makes. I expect him to make Good. a centre-half. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I, I, I don't think that that would be one that I would be making. I think that the spine of the team is what needs addressing. And so then if you get if you put Julian Berner in at centre-half, you put Massimo Luongo in at central midfield, and then you put Fernando Forestieri up front alongside Stephen Fletcher, then I think all of a sudden, I think to me it looks a stronger lineup. It, again, or, or again, I'm more optimistic of Wednesday's chances of getting results there straight away. Of where I'm then looking and seeing there's potentially partnerships here that could work. You then make changes possibly if you want out wide, and so then you may get Liam Palmer or Debajo fighting it out at right back. And this is my point on the left. That's where I'd be going with Adam Reach and Kadeem Harris. Those are, and also you're trying to keep them hungry. These are two players who Kadeem Harris hasn't looked the same player since October, and Adam Reach hasn't really delivered full stop this season. So you don't drop Jacob Murphy, who has again been one of the better performers on the right, to then shoehorn Adam Reach. And and Kadeem Harris, you don't know what you're going to get with either of them, frankly. You don't. You don't know what's going to happen. They they should be like new signings, but then we don't know how they're going to do. Whereas I think with Jacob Murphy, I think that there is a body of work from the last few months of where he's shown he deserves to start. And then it's about, on the other flank, what Gary Monk wants to do. Well, Dom, I've listened to everything that you've said. We have sadly run out of time, so I will conclude by saying it was valiant, but you are wrong. Um, Adam Reed should be starting ahead of um, Jacob Murphy. Um, you know, as the saying says, every day of the week for me. Um, but I, I'm sure that we'll have plenty of listeners who've got opinions on um, on that one. So do give us a shout if you would like to uh, contribute to that very unexpected argument that we uh, that we had there. <laughs> you can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James. Uh, thank you as ever to our lovely gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find at titolaw.co.uk. And thank you for joining us. If you like Singing the Blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and see you next week. <laughs>